Of the 27 books that are in the New Testament, 25 of those fall into one of two categories. Four of them are Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all biographies of the person of Jesus. 21 of them take the form of letters composed by early apostles, 14 of them being attributed to the Apostle Paul, and seven of them being attributed to other apostles or early Christian leaders. Two of the books in the New Testament, however, are in a category entirely of their own. One of those is the book we find right at the very end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the apocalyptic vision that's given to John on the island of Patmos. The other one is the book which we're going to be focusing on for this study, the Acts of the Apostles. This book is called Acts because it's a, it's a record. It's a history of the actions of Jesus' followers after Jesus himself ascends into heaven. Acts is the earliest history that we have of the Christian church. It's the source of all these famous and well-known stories from the first years of Christianity, stories that have captured the imagination of generations, stories like the martyrdom of Stephen, or the story of the dramatic conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus, or uh, the stories about Saul's later missionary journeys as the Apostle Paul, when he comes into conflict in all these ancient cities in Rome, when he's shipwrecked on the island of Malta. In many ways, Acts is one of the most action-packed, adventure-filled books in all the Bible. Sometimes it reads almost like an epic Greek drama. As the American Bible scholar and translator of the book, E.J. Goodspeed, put it a hundred years ago, where within 80 pages will be found such a varied series of exciting events, trials, riots, persecutions, escapes, martyrdoms, voyages, shipwrecks, rescues, set in that amazing panorama of the ancient world, Jerusalem, Antioch, Philippi, Corinth, Athens, Ephesus, Rome, and with such scenery and settings, temples, courts, prisons, deserts, ships, barracks, theaters, has any opera such variety? But Acts is not just a history or chronicle of exotic apostolic adventures. It's, a, it's actually a theological history. It's a story that has a specific message to convey. The purpose of this book is not just to inform or entertain us, but to answer fundamental questions. Questions like, what is the church? What is the mission, the message that Jesus gave his followers? How should the church respond when it meets resistance and criticism? How should it make decisions? How should it resolve internal conflicts? It, questions like these have confronted every generation of Christians, and Acts is one of the primary resources to which they have turned for guidance. But for those of us who are Christians today, the message of this book is particularly important. 
Because today, we find ourselves in a situation that has many parallels to those early Christians that we read about in this book. The context, the backdrop of the church in Acts is the, the world of ancient pagan Rome. It was a world that was politically volatile, filled with competing religions and warring gods, obsessed with sex, power, money, pleasure. Ancient Rome was a world divided along ethnic and social lines, a world characterized by urban unrest, rural poverty, mob violence. And it was into that world that these early Christians were sent to live and proclaim the good news of Jesus as Christ. Today, we live in a world not altogether different from the one we read about in Acts. Don't get me wrong, a lot has changed since then. People aren't making sacrifices to Zeus and Artemis, but there are many similarities. In fact, some scholars, such as the legal scholar and historian Stephen Smith, have argued that today we live in an age that's not so much secular as it is a renewed form of paganism. And this means that Acts is a book of particular relevance for Christians today. Its story is our story. In its pages, we find guidance for our present. We're going to begin our study of this book by focusing in this session on what takes place in chapter 1 and in the opening part of chapter 2. Now, Acts is a second-volume sequel of sorts. It's a kind of follow-up to the Gospel of Luke. And you can see this, the continuity between these two, if you pay attention to the similar way that each of them begin. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 begins, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now, we don't actually know who this Theophilus is, to whom Luke dedicates his gospel. The name itself means lover of God. And it's not clear if this is an actual historical person or maybe someone whom Luke invents uh, to be the recipient. But this same Theophilus is also whom the author of Acts, Luke, dedicates his book, Acts, as well. Look what Acts says in chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's how Luke begins the book of Acts, talking about his first book, the gospel that he wrote. And it's no surprise then that Acts begins where the gospel of Luke ended, with the risen Jesus' ascension into heaven. Before Jesus ascends, however, he gives his followers a message, a mission. And, and we get a description of this mission in verse 8 of chapter 1 of Acts. You will be my witnesses, Jesus tells his followers, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. But then, as Jesus is giving them this task, this mission, he does something rather strange. 
he orders them to wait, not to leave Jerusalem. Right after he has told them that they're to be witnesses throughout the earth, he tells them to wait. Wait, he says, for the promise of the Father. A couple verses later, Jesus clarifies what this promise is. It's a gift, the gift of power that will come from the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends to heaven to take his place at the right hand of God the Father. And the disciples, these followers that Jesus was talking to, they do exactly what they were told. They wait. When chapter 2 begins on the day of Pentecost, which is the 50th day after the resurrection, the 50th day in Jewish counting after the Sunday following the Sabbath, here we find them still waiting, still in Jerusalem, all gathered together in a house. And then, all of a sudden, something happens. Something wild, almost chaotic happens. Something that artists have been struggling for centuries to know how to depict. There's a sound, we're told, like a mighty rushing wind that fills the house, and that tongues as of fire descend on each of these followers of Jesus in this house. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they begin to speak. And as they begin to speak, all of the people gathered around in Jerusalem, the people from different nationalities, people who speak different languages, these people who hear them speaking say, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, what are we to make of all this? Why, why does Jesus tell them to wait? Why does the church's mission not begin until this dramatic arrival of the Spirit at Pentecost? And why does any of this matter for us today? Well, there's an enormous amount that could be said about all of this, but I want to focus in on one specific question that I think that these passages are helping answer for us. That question is, who is the main agent, the main actor at work in all of this? Who is the lead character in this story? Now, maybe that seems like a strange question, but this is actually a central question of the entire book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke, remember, was the story of Jesus. Well, whose story is this? You might think, well, it's the story of the church or the story of the apostles. But even though Acts focuses on the activities of the apostles, especially later on focusing on the activities of these two apostles, Peter and Paul, they aren't really the ones driving the story forward, driving the narrative forward. No, the main character of this story is God himself. He is the main agent at work. As one New Testament scholar recently put it, Acts is about God. Acts is from beginning to end, a narrative construal of God and God's activity. God is the lead character of the book of Acts the story is really about him. 
And that is why Jesus instructs his followers to wait. Right after he's giving them a mission, he tells them to wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the mission of this community, the mission of the church, is not a human achievement. It's not something that they're supposed to do on their own. It is the work of God. And this is also why the missionary activity of these Christians in Acts usually takes the form of speech. In the opening verses, Jesus tells his followers that they will be his witnesses. This is the word martyr in Greek. In Jerusalem, Judea, throughout all of the earth, that is their mission, to be witnesses. And when the Spirit comes at Pentecost, this is exactly what they start to do. And they, they bear witness. They speak. They tell in various languages of the mighty acts of God. And as we keep reading, we'll see that this is actually the main activity of the apostles throughout the whole book. It's not their only activity. Christians do other things. They organize themselves. They care for one another. Healings take place. But this is the main activity of the apostles. In fact, speeches take up 25% of this entire book. A quarter of the whole book is speeches. Why is that? Have you ever wondered that question? Why do these Christians spend so much time talking and speaking? Well, it's because that is the mission that they are given. That is their task, not to bring redemption to the world themselves, but to bear witness, to announce, to herald the news of how God is at work in the death and resurrection of Jesus, in the sending of this Spirit, how God is the one at work, redeeming the world, making all things new. It's easy to forget that, I think. It's easy for us to begin to think as Christians that our mission as a church is to change the world ourselves instead of bearing witness to what God is doing. And of course, that's not the only error we make. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that the main purpose of the church is our own personal comfort and community. We become very focused on ourselves and what the church is providing for us. But here, right at the beginning of Acts, we see that both of these errors are wrong-headed. The purpose of the church is not just to be a place of meaning and community for Christians. The church is a people who are defined by the task that they've been given, by this mission. But our mission, our task, is not to be the ones who fix all the problems in the culture of the world around us. We are to be those who bear witness to what God is doing. As a bishop I know likes to put it, the redemption of humanity, he's told me several times, the redemption of humanity is God's project, not mine. My job, our job as Christians, is to be witnesses of what God is doing in word and in deed. And the book of Acts is the record of how these early Christians, how the apostles and the earliest Christians 
did just that, how they lived out this mission of witness in a world of paganism. And my hope for us throughout this study is that we will learn from their example, that we will take up the story that we share with them and that we will carry it forward in mission today.